0: If you haven't guessed already, I'm a big proponent of grace. And the reason is because I need it. And uh, we are in need of God's grace. Now this morning, because of the constricted time, I'm going to have to create as we go along. Because I had much I wanted to say to you about how do we live. How do we live In difficult days, I want to talk with you very briefly about grace givers and grace killers, two phrases I've coined. Um, Grace givers and grace killers are very different brands of Christianity. Grace givers are humble minded. God exalters, joy makers, and merciful reconcilers. Grace killers, however, are glory robbers, killjoys, list-making legalists, and self-appointed judges. This is a group that opposed Jesus everywhere he went. This is the same group that opposed Paul everywhere he traveled. Um, welcome to the legalist. Legalism has, in my opinion and many others, been the greatest threat to the gospel since the first century. Why? Because it has a form of righteousness but it denies It's power. And the church has been warned. About how that can creep into the church. Almost unaware. And the reason why. Paul. And James and many others in the scriptures. Talk about. Grace killers. Legalism. Phariseeism. Is because believe it or not. There's a little Pharisee in all of us that we have to watch out for, that you don't feed it, you don't encourage it. So that's kind of what I would like to talk with you about this morning. One of the men that I read on this said, one of the most serious problems facing the church in Paul's day and ours was the problem of legalism. In every day, it is the same. Legalism wrenches the joy of the Lord from the Christian believer, and with the joy of the Lord goes power for vital worship, vibrant service. Nothing is left but cramped, somber, dull, and listless profession. The truth is betrayed, and the glorious name of the Lord becomes a synonym for a glory or a gloomy killjoy. The Christian under law is a miserable parody of the real thing. The real thing is authentic grace-givers in a church or as individuals. We want to begin where grace begins. God is the ultimate grace-giver. We find that in James 4.6. I have had to skip ahead in our series, and I wanted to skip ahead to grace. It seemed to be fitting for the day, and I found it to have a treasure for, for me, hopefully for you as well. God is the ultimate grace giver, and James is giving to us something we desperately need, is hope. Hope comes in the form of grace. Grace is our hope. And in this uh, text that we have here in front of us, James chapter 4, verse 6, it's just filled with so much richness. But he, that is God, gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Because God is infinitely gracious, He just keeps giving. Giving and giving more and more grace. Especially to the humble. Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God's grace forgives the vilest sinner, regardless of your past or mine or whatever. His grace is adequate. More than adequate. To forgive us. Now the law came in to increase the trespass. The awareness of our sin. But where sin increased. Grace abounded all the more. You see grace is given to the humble. Because the humble recognize. Their deep need for grace. They're aware. Self-aware. That we have a nature. That fights against spiritual truth. Our old nature wants to rear up and uh, use the things that we used to use before we came to know Christ. Relying on herself, all kinds of things come out. Before I move on from this, I just wanted to say on a personal note that. I don't know that I've ever seen anyone more humbled than Pastor Kevin. What he went through is really an incredible experience. And to walk with him through it has been difficult. He has been broken. I've heard from some say, he just needs to be humble. He, he can't be proud. I'm going, where have you been? What more do you want? And so I am here to attest that yes, he has been humbled. Deeply humbled. And he would stand up here today if I would let him. Sorry, just kidding. But you could move over about four places now to that other side right there, Pastor, you and Tasha. Is that he needs grace. And so do we. And it says that God opposes the proud. God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble. Peter says humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. So that at the proper time he may exalt you. Yep, that's our guide. He opposes the proud. Why? He opposes the proud because they reject him. They reject his grace. They reject the notion, deny the notion, that they are sinners. And they're not above anyone else. Let me just say this. If there were even just the slightest possibility... But even just minuscule possibility that sinners could find acceptance with God by their own effort. God wouldn't have had to send his son to die on the cross. Instead, he could have given us motivational speakers rather than prophets. And self-help methods rather than the scriptures. To make us healthy, wealthy, and wise. Wait a minute, I kind of think that's been going around lately. Because God is infinitely holy and just, now hang on to this, He must, by His very nature, judge every sin that has ever been committed. Every sin. Every sin that runs through my mind. Every sin that's been a part of my life. Had to be judged. And that's the same for each of you. Because God is holy. And he is just. Now do you see the need for grace? (laughs) Pride and legalism therefore are an affront to God. If anyone wishes to be exalted in God's eyes. They must humble themselves, as we read. And fortunately, God is not only infinitely holy, but he's infinitely gracious. James characterizes grace grace killers for us. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers, in James 4.11. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. So what do grace killers do anyway? Well, they judge others. They are usurping God's role. And the Bible uses the word judge in at least four different ways. I'm going to give them to you very quickly. They're very appropriate for the day. The first reason is that God is the only righteous judge there could be. He's the one who is to judge. The second is that it is used of grace killers... Because they fail to judge themselves. That is that they tend to judge others but have no thought of examining their own life. Paul tells us examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail to meet the test. Third, excuse the second and third, but the first was God, so I'm looking at some of the ones that relate to our inability. But here we find that grace killers, they fail to keep God's law because they are judging others. If you believe in the law and you want to hold to the law, then don't judge others. That's James' argument here. James 5.9 tells us, Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Grace killers fail to restore an erring brother who has been disciplined by the church because they believe discipline would not be punishment. Or should be punishment and not a process ordained by God for restoration. Now you think I'm pulling this text in for today? I'm not. I could tell you some of my notes go back 15 years. So I'm not just pulling a text in here to try to, to work it here. And here's why punishment is preferred over restoration. For grace killers, forgiveness is conditional. Before they will forgive others, they may, those people must sufficiently pay for their sin by being publicly repudiated, rejected, and totally humiliated. If that hasn't happened to their satisfaction, then there's no forgiveness. And even then, that may not be enough. These self-appointed judges insist on justice... Unless, of course, they are the ones who are in need of grace. The Apostle Paul wrote his first letter to the Corinthians to exhort them to exercise church discipline in a situation that was far worse than anything we have. And they did. But then he heard through other letters and so forth that there was a problem back in Corinth. you know what it was? There were grace killers. (laughs) They said, well, we've done church discipline, but man, I don't have any satisfaction. I don't want this person back. I don't want to forgive. I don't want to restore. I just want to make sure there's punishment. So listen to the apostle. He writes back. For such a one, that is the one who has sinned, this punishment by the majority is enough. So, you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. We've come close. So, I beg you to reaffirm your love for him rather than rather turn to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. Repeated again, I say. So, I beg you to reaffirm your love for him. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Exactly everything we need here as well. Grace is to be freely offered. Grace should be humbly received. And it should be celebrated. From my own Experience in ministry of almost 50 years. Of course, as you know, I was a very, very young man when I went into ministry. (laughs) Grace killers consider anyone who fails in marriage to be a second-class citizen. They're adamant that those who fail in ministry should never have the opportunity to serve again. I've met these people. And I can say, I fear for the children of grace killers. Because if one of them ever f- falls, who will be there to give them grace? Now you know pastors are next to perfection. Hey, don't laugh. It wasn't intended to be a joke or anything. Our families are near Perfection. As you know. But you must know that we are far, far from being perfect people. There are no guarantees that if you're a perfect parent, you'll end up with perfect kids. If you have a question about that, look at God the Father. Okay, I'll leave it there. Over 24 years ago, one of my daughters became pregnant out of wedlock at the age of 19. I'm a pastor. Things like this are not supposed to happen to you. And because I was a pastor, my wife and I were publicly and secretly humiliated by grace killers. One church lady came up to me and asked, why didn't you teach your children and your daughter to be abstinent? I told her, we have been teaching her this since she was a little girl. Well, she protested to me. She says, my daughter wears a promise ring. I'm happy for you, but here's what she didn't know, is what I knew. And the rest of the young people knew about her. She was anything but... My wife and I loved my daughter, but we were broken. Um, to love someone is not to agree to their sin or lifestyle. You can violently disagree with their wandering ways, but because I want to have unconditional love. I must give her what? Grace. We wanted to keep offering her love. And this is what I told her. The porch light is always on for you. And for your family. And she returned many times to live with us. You build it. They will come back. One day. On her own initiative. She courageously. Stood before our church. She stood up by me. Behind a pulpit. And she publicly repented of her sin and asked for the church to forgive her. In front of grace killers. (laughs) The prodigal had come home. And the congregation broke out in tears and loud applause. Louder than anything they did for any sermon I gave. She was welcomed with open arms. And today she is an awesome Christian mom. And I'm very proud of her and her family. And here's the lesson, parents, and any grace killers out there grace is the most powerful force on the earth, not guilt. Guilt is short term, can be destructive, you may be able to get immediate results, but the thing that will bring them back, the thing that is most worthwhile, is unconditional love that drives towards grace. We need to be grace givers. And grace is the porch light that God leaves on for all of us wandering children. James described grace killers as those who speak against evil, against another brother. Jesus had so much to say about this. Judge not. James says, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. But I love that last line of James. What does it say? Mercy triumphs over judgment. Grace trumps law. Grace is more powerful than law and guilt. He doesn't. We're not. If you are judging others, you are not being a doer of the law. You're a law breaker. This is a practical part. I'm going to kind of have to move along here. What should we do if someone you know starts talking down others around you? What do we do with that? Has that ever happened to you? Yes. Okay. I tried to look for some scriptures on this and I found so many I had to kind of squeeze them down a little bit. First, don't associate with a person who sows strife. Be friendly. Be gracious, but don't associate. Why? Because the scripture says, bad company corrupts good morals. So choose your friends carefully. Secondly, don't trust gossipers. Why? If they'll gossip about others, they're likely to slander and gossip you. Don't taste the tidbits of their gossip. They always come along with these little tasty tidbits. You know, like when you're shopping at Costco. And then you can say, would you like to try? These are really good. We're on special right now. And there are people come along. Did you know this about so-and-so? Did you know this about sister so-and-so? Did you know about their marriage? I I don't want to say too much, but let me go on. You must have had that encounter. Sure, we all have. Avoid intimate friendships with those who spread hatred. We're very similar to the same thing. Don't associate with people so strong. And here's the last one. Be strong. Be courageous. Break the chains of gossip. Say something like this. When they start off, say, you know, I'd prefer not to carry on this discussion. It makes me feel uncomfortable to talk down others and sow seeds of destruction. If we could learn to do that, we would stop a whole lot of hurt and a whole lot of stuff that goes around that shouldn't be going around. And James then tells us reasons why grace givers are to live out grace. Grace. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor, your brother or your sister? We are to be grace givers. James mentions two aspects of grace as the royal law and the law of liberty. What is the royal law? It is the law of love that trumps law, that trumps guilt, that trumps works. After Jesus talked about where our love should be for him, and he said the second is like you shall love your neighbor as you do yourself. That means whatever you would do for you, you would do for them. Boy, that's a hard... Jesus, do you know how hard that is? And he's saying, that's why he started with the first one. You've got to love me first. If you love me like that, then I'm going to ask you to love other people like that. And what is this law of liberty? It, anyway, it's actually grace. I didn't want to put the law of grace, but there's a sense in which I could say that. You see, we are set free from the penalty of sin by sovereign grace. And we are to set other people free by being grace givers. Grace givers set people free. Legalists try to enslave others. Christians with grace are known for building up people, not tearing them down. Are known for forgiving rather than holding grudges. You know what judging is like? Scripture says, When you judge another person, when I judge another person, it's like this. We go to the throne of heaven. We say, Jesus, would you please step off the throne for a little bit? Please, if you'd step aside and then you kind of nuzzle in and you sit on the throne and you begin to weigh the merits of the cases against other people by your own law. Is that scary? That's what we're doing. And we don't recognize that we don't admit that so i could say get off the throne let the one who should be on the throne do the judging and let us kneel at his feet and ask for one thing what is that thank you grace <laughs> here's the reason why he should judge is because he's the only lawgiver And judge. He's the perfect measure. Of love and grace. The perfect measure of holiness. And it says. James says. He's the only one who's able to save. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven. Given among men by which you must be saved. We are saved only by faith in Christ. By grace alone. It's not works plus grace. It's grace alone. But he also says. And this, is, this is one. I, I wanted to make sure I'd done my homework on this one. He's the only one qualified to destroy. Wow. Now, I tried to look this up. Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him will destroy. The one who has a haughty look and a proud heart, him I will not endure. Ooh. Jesus said, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. My friends, The greatest motivation for purity in our life is not guilt. It is not getting away with it or being found out. The greatest motivation is why would we do something to offend the God who loves us like he does? Why offend a God who has justified us, loved us, accepted us fully even though we continue to battle with our sin? And here's the haunting question at the very end. Who are you? Who are we to judge our neighbor? Grace killers, judges, will be judged as they judged others. That could be severe. (laughs) Because I know how severely we can judge each other. But grace givers will be forgiven as they forgave others. So be gracious. Remember, mercy triumphs over guilt and punishment. Grace is the most powerful force on the earth. Grace is the porch light God leaves on for all of his wandering. Children. Are there any wandering kids here today? Well, I've wandered and I've always gone back to where I felt at home because the porch light was on. That's where grace was. If you've wandered, If you have judged, the porch light's on. And you're welcome to experience the fullness of God's mercy and grace and love. I love it. So leave the porch light on for each other. Parents, Don't set up standards for other people that you can't keep. Don't write a book on parenting. I had people for years say, Pastor John, you need to write a book on parenting. And oh, am I so glad I didn't. I would like to write a book someday on the porch light. Being a grandpa. Because for grandpas and grandmas, the porch light's always on for you. Father, thank you for our time together today. What amazing thing we've seen happen over the last eight months. Um, Help us to be grace givers, to comfort, to restore to love, to forgive, to be merciful. May you fill this church with your love and your grace. Bless the day we pray in Christ's name. And all God's people say, Amen.